0: Welcome back to Mastering Meatail, a podcast masterclass covering everything you need to know about e-commerce, brought to you by Flywheel Digital. You're listening to another episode in our APAC masterclass season, this time covering challenger brands and specifically challenger brands from China selling overseas. I'm your host, Emma Irwin, and I'm a senior editor and specialist at Flywheel. If you work in e-commerce, you've probably heard of Challenger Brands, and a topic of interest for many is the influx of Chinese sellers and brands competing in Western marketplaces such as Amazon. This episode is going to leave us understanding what we actually mean by Challenger Brands, why and how they invest in selling overseas, common hurdles to the Western marketplaces, and how Challenger Brands differ from large, multinational enterprise brands. All of that being said, let's meet our guest.
1: My name is Robbie Zhang. And my title is Business Operation Director of 4K Miles.
0: Perfect. And then 4K Miles is one of our brands that we haven't talked about on this podcast. Can you tell me a little bit about what 4K Miles does?
1: 4K Miles uh, is an essential company, same as Flywheel. So we are a Chinese company or Chinese agency who are dedicated to help Chinese overseas sellers for brand building, video buying, and content creating. And also a uh, manager service for Chinese brands to sell uh, via uh, Western marketplaces.
0: And like every other episode in this season, I had to ask Robbie where he first most commonly shops.
1: I'm mostly using Taobao from Alibaba, and also Jingdong, which like a JD. These are two marketplaces. Well, I uh, I will using for shopping in China marketplace. And also I use a lot of Amazon, Amazon US, and for that part. Uh, Probably using forwarder from from Hong Kong, then buy from stuff from uh, Amazon US to the forwarder, then for forward, for back to China. Kind of complicated, but I uh, use it a lot.
0: Interesting. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. All right. Since you said Taobao first, what is the last thing you purchased from Taobao?
1: Last thing from Taobao will be a charger. Actually. Nice. Yeah. These days, we need a lot of charger, for for travel, for for work.
0: Yep, and I lose them all the time, so I feel you there. Uh-huh. Last one before we get into Challenger brands, but I'm going to ask it now and then we'll come back to it at the end. And also a question that we ask everyone, but something that is on a digital wish list of yours, which means that it like lives in a cart forever and you won't actually purchase it, and then at the end we'll cover why. So not a charger because you need a charger, but something a little bit different that you won't actually purchase. Sound good to cover it at the end? Yeah, of course. So let's get into the meat of this episode. We have three sections. First up, what are challenger brands? Second, how challenger brands differ from enterprise brands, and third, strategies for success in Western marketplaces slash the future of Chinese challenger brands in the West. But of course, we had to start with Robbie's definition of challenger brands.
1: I think compared to Chinese brand, established brand, or yeah, in our company we call it like uh, enterprise. To my understanding, there will be these brands are well-known for, for the, uh, clients, for, for the consumer. So when they think about a certain category, they will think about these brands. But for challenger brands, actually, their sales really good in, in certain areas or in certain marketplaces, but not well-known for the other part of Earth. Like uh, some, some brands, their sales really good in China, but not well-known for uh, Western consumers. Uh, trying to say, uh, sell overseas. So we'll uh, say they, these kind of brands will be a uh, challenger brands because they, they have good products, but they not well, well known in Western marketplace.
0: Gotcha. And in this case, because this is our APAC Masterclass, we're talking specifically about Chinese brands selling in Western marketplaces. But I'm curious, why do so many Chinese sellers or brands enter Western marketplaces? Like what opportunity lies in there?
1: I think first one is because the Western consumer now realize that they can shop online a lot. And second part, actually, to my feeling, it's not too many to the West because we already have even more brands in China emerging now. These days, after we are doing OEM or ODM for the international brands, Chinese manufacturer realized they can really do some good products. They can manufacture good quality products. So, even within China, we have lots of uh, even more emerging brands than uh, selling overseas.
0: Interesting. Would you say for the brands, the Chinese brands selling overseas, are they able to really be successful on their own, or do they need to be partnering with an agency like 4K Miles to help them out?
1: Yeah, good question. I think to sell only to sell a uh, few few pieces or good amount of products, one products they can do that by their bynet. By their own because they, they can put lots of products online then, then to test the market to see which can one can sell. If they really want to build a brand and outsell their competitors, make sure they have higher chance to win the market, then we need agency help because we have Focamounts as an agency, we have an experience of successful brands to sell overseas. So we can help them to using their current successful model to build their brands, to uh, create their contents, to to present their products to the Western market.
0: Perfect. And then what do you see as success rate for the challenger brands selling in the Western marketplaces? And what I'm thinking of with that question is, for now, a lot like Amazon in the US and Europe is primarily 1P. I believe Walmart and, say, Target are as well. And so challenger brands from China are going to be 3P. How does that kind of work? Is there greater success rate?
1: Not very great success. Rate. I would say graphically, there will be twenty percent around, or ten to twenty percent. Yeah, not, not not very high because lots of brands they they trying to sell. They are still using the products which uh, sells well in Chinese market, but not designed for the for the Western market. So these brands normally they're kind of uh, they will fail. So to answer your question, so. We're well, not only for, for 1P for this marketplace. There are also 3P uh, setter. They also they work as uh, to provide their products to Amazon through like a set uh, vendor central accounts, like a first P. So we can also do that.
0: Very nice. Do you have an example of a product that maybe sells really well in China, but isn't necessarily designed to sell well in Western marketplaces? Oh, got lots of
1: that because. As an agency, a uh, lot of these kind of brands are trying to fund us. For example, uh, like uh, the cooking tools for China, they got a uh, pain for using for Chinese food, but not very popular in, in, the, in the US. They're, they're trying to let us to, to sell the products. They, they think sometimes they have a false perception because when they talk to some foreigners, how do you think of these products? They will say, oh, this is interesting or oh, this is good products. They think that they, they can really sell this kind of products in, in the Western market, but actually uh, this is for Chinese uh, dishes, for, for Chinese food, and <laughs> not very designed for, for uh, Western style. So uh, some products like that we're trying to sell normally will fail. Similar to that, we have another example of uh, recently we, we talked to uh, a router brand. They designed a Wi-Fi router. Actually, for Chinese, they would think their product design is, is very good, it is, it's ordinary. But when we do the market research of Western style, it's totally different. So that's an, another example.
0: So now you've got a bit more of an understanding of what we mean by Chinese challenger brands and how they begin to think about selling overseas. Next up, how are Chinese brands able to move so quickly? And how does that set them apart from many large Western brands? The nimbleness of Chinese manufacturers is a key element of understanding e-commerce in APAC. So I asked Robbie to tell me more about how this impacts Challenger versus Enterprise brands.
1: I think for the, for the emerging brands or, or, say, Challenger brands, the first they're approved to sell at some marketplaces. They put up products on, on those marketplaces to prove to sell. That's because they reach a balance of quality and the price, of course. we talk about Chinese products, everybody's thinking that's a low price, but I think if you want to really sell good on amazon and if you want to stay on the, the best selling rank uh, you need to have a uh, the balance between the quality and price not only a uh, low price and also for the, for the the you you mentioned about i think chinese manufacturer well, were trying to do some uh, flexible supply chain before foreign trade we will only have a supply chain to for large batch products but now we have small batch. We can we can do small batch in very short period of time. For example, uh, if a Chinese seller or, or trader they want to decide, uh, they have some uh, product ideas. They can easily to find those products on, on some uh, Alibaba sites. Then also they can talk to the manufacturer. For w- within one week, they have they can have a sample. If everything went well, after one month they can have a. The first products to ship out, and for websites like Shein or like Zaffo, they're the fashion brands, or if you know their size, their supply chain can even do much better because they're for new model for, for clothes. They can they can manufacture from the idea to actually uh, online. It will be one week. That's crazy. <laughs> the idea they have a, they can talk to the the factory, then they can. Uh, like I have a sample uh, three or four days and everything is went, went well. They can just put it online by using the system. So this, this is really quick.
0: That's crazy. I think about, I've been on lots of flywheel accounts where we kind of help out. We, a little bit with like product development, but by the time that product comes out, it's been, like, it takes like a year to get a new product out and on the marketplace. And then by then, sometimes it's too late and we've kind of missed the opportunity in the wave of that product. So it's amazing that. Chinese manufacturers can move so fast.
1: Yeah, actually, when I say uh, one week, there will be a, like easy to make, not, not, not lots of technology included products. Just they, they copy some clothes or, or design or they have uh, ideas from, from others. There's, they're very simple ones. But what, when we design electronics products, then it take a lot of time.
0: That makes sense. And there's a lot more safety kind of things to think about with electronics and whatnot as well. All right. You mentioned something that 4K Miles does has to do with like content. And I'm curious, does content have to differ when you're selling on a Chinese marketplace versus a Western marketplace for the brands that you're helping?
1: I have a very good question. That's the most headache for us, actually, (laughs) uh, because uh, this uh, is really important for, for the content. And it's very different. It's very different. We're trying to do that. but thanks to ChatGPT, that will have a better solution for that. But for for the content, they're very very different because in in, in China, when we present the content, people more like a we, we need to give them the feeling like uh how they you can feel when they, when they have these products, what can change what what can change your part of your life. But in Western style, I think we need to be more straight and of course, sense of humor is very important. In Western culture. Yeah. So we we need to decide that. When we make the video for our clients for Western video, we need still lots of creativity to make sure they have um, very good ideas. They can attract uh, Western customers.
0: Interesting. Last question I have for this little section is I think in the US, and I'm saying US just because that's where I live, and like those are the markets that I, or that is the market that I shop. I think we sometimes think of like challenger brands and then maybe even especially Chinese challenger brands as more of like a problem and, you know, stealing sales and share. But at the same time, they are also like promoting competition and that's what gets a marketplace going and keeps it going. What's your take on that? Do you have an opinion on that? Like, can you convince me and the rest of America otherwise that Chinese challenger brands have a place in Western marketplaces?
1: I think the rise of these Chinese brands does not apply an uh, intention to replace the Western brands, but rather we we're trying to represent an opportunity for for mutual growth and cooperation. For, for example, before 4K uh, Miles, I used to work in, in, in one of the biggest uh, Chinese setters. We're trying to sell a uh, power bank sort of products. And our competitor, which is another Chinese brand, but it used to be a, a manufacturer, they used to be a manufacturing uh, OEM for others, then they decide to sell to overseas markets as their own products, but they like merge with uh, U.S. brands. So they're, they're doing together to build a brand to sell uh, on Amazon. Then we never outsell the, the, these brands because the marketing always think ahead of us because they have a local team. Local US team to help them to, to do lots of different campaigns, we we'll never think of. Uh, I can remember because they have a word of tailgate party. Like uh when when you drive out, you have a you have a tailgate open, you got lots of uh, like a refrigerator and you've got the you got foods you enjoy together. We we'll never do that in China. So we we'll never know that. When we're like uh marketing our products in the in the uh, Western markets, we we'll never thought about that till we see that that brands with the help of of uh, local team in the, in the. US in the, in the market team uh, with, we realized oh okay there, there's another like a campaign opportunities that's just one example there's, like, a lots of examples would never think of that doing much better than us before
0: I forget that tailgating is not really done elsewhere outside of America
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah well, that's, that's, first time I heard of this because of that brand I think because of their their local uh, marketing team they do lots of great uh, big i can remember they have a connection with a lot of influencers which are uh, always go out so their video is not like our video our video will be like a, we can only think about the shooting how people using that products but their video will be there well hang out with this influencer in the fields in outside or they were doing some some uh some like a traveling or camping they're doing very casual videos and looks really good to us. That connection, that campaign and, and the style is much better. So that's why they, they can sell like the top of, of the list of the marketplace. So I think that's a that's a very good example of how like Chinese manufacturer and, and Western company or people working together to build those brands. I think a lot, well, there will be lots of opportunity like that.
0: For sure, I didn't even think about kind of just working together because you're way more efficient if you can all just work together. Yeah. The last of our three sections of this episode cover strategies for Chinese challenger brands entering or scaling in Western marketplaces. And of course, we also needed to touch on media a bit here. I needed to know how Chinese brands should think about their investment into a marketplace such as Amazon or Walmart, especially when it comes to their ad spend. How do they know where to start and with what amount? How do they even measure success?
1: That's a really good question. <laughs> because, uh, <laughs>
0: I think easy one. <laughs> um, as an agency, uh, we can
1: contact lots of uh, clients, uh, which are Chinese sellers. They often decide by their uh, past performance and within a short period of time. So RI driven, heavily RI driven, or ROI driven, return on investment. Yeah, they always uh, look at the uh, digits. Once they think they are. Uh, RI is not very good, they cannot make money, they will spend less. But once they see a very good performance, they they can spend more. But I think for, I talked to some U.S. brands and also like uh, your, your clients, I think Chinese plan, lack like of uh, the like an annual media plan, they don't have a dedicated marketing department. They are often, those kind of spending or budgets are run by the operation team. Those people are, uh, have lots of things to do. They need to uh, put products online. They need to design the uh, the page, the detail page. So th- those kind of people will, will also decide how much uh, how, mu- how, how how much we need to spend. But I think they, they need to have a annual media plan to think about a big picture.
0: That's crazy to think of just because, you know, like the annual media plan runs so much of our clients' business out here. And like everything goes back to the annual media plan to think of like, just not having one is crazy.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I know. Uh, and we, we're trying to help lots of uh, clients to do that, but I think they, they're still kind of short-sighted at this stage. But we're trying to educate the market to to do that. Uh, that's why we need to learn a lot from Flywheel from US market.
0: Interesting. I'm thinking about. You know the two largest marketplaces that we have in the US are Amazon and Walmart. And I'm curious, does your approach to Amazon versus Walmart differ when you're helping out brands selling on those two marketplaces or is it kind of the same?
1: I would say Chinese sellers are true them kind of the same. The only uh, difference currently will be it's not that easy for Chinese brands to enter Walmart uh, online, Walmart online for Amazon, they have sell on Amazon projects. They have a, a complete like, system or, or, or a, a SOP for Ford, Chinese sellers or manufacturer to get, get on Amazon. But not that easy for Walmart.
0: Interesting. That's a good clarification. All right. One more question for you. I'm curious, what do you see as the future of challenger brands in the West? I think
1: challenger brands already demonstrate a strong ability to, to for the innovation and also providing like a capacity products. They were keep leveraging this technology and the manufactured ability to to prime more diverse products in the Europe in Western market. In the meantime, I think most likely they were seeking cooperation and partnership with, with some uh, Western companies. I strongly believe that that will happen because the more we would contact these brands, the way we're, we're thinking they're trying to quickly build, it, build their brands, but they're still uh, a long way behind. So the best way is to work with expertise in the, in, in the U.S. to do that. So there will be a corporation and partnership with, with those companies or expertise.
0: Amazing. That was a great answer, I think. I'm on the same page as you. Thank you. <laughs> we can wrap it up and go back to your digital wish list. That thing that lives in a cart forever, but you won't actually purchase it, and why?
1: I would say uh, it's a vinyl player.
0: Ah, why won't you purchase it?
1: I have lots of vinyl records, so I want to purchase uh, one. But still, in China, there's no uh, really good brand. A lot, very good, very good uh, brands are in the West, but it's too big to get it back. <laughs> That's why. Yeah,
0: I they're stay, heavy too.
1: Stay, yeah, they stay in my list for a long time.
0: Well, hopefully someday your records will have a record player too. Be <laughs> thank- <laughs> to play. Yeah, thank you. And that wraps up the Challenger Brands episode of our APAC Masterclass. Thank you to Robbie for his insights, and be sure to listen to the rest of our APAC Masterclass season so that you can walk away with a deeper knowledge of e-commerce in Asia Pacific. Also, please share this episode with your network; it really helps us. I've been your host, Emma Irwin, and this episode was produced by Klaus Cancel with sound design by Enis Tenji. See you next time.